Foodie. 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 From the Not A Foodie Studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn at Radio Rampa, 620 AM, it's the Not A Foodie Show. Hey, Mike. Hey, you hit a different octave that time. I know. I was going up and down. It was like my auto-tune. It was great. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I am Tom Mialy, and with me as always is... It's Mike Moranti. Hey, Mike. Talking about (laughs) auto-tune. Shout out T-Bane for winning Mass Singer a couple weeks ago. Uh, Okay. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, shout out (laughs) T-Bane. Um... (laughs) So this is the Not A Foodie Show. I am Tom. That's Mike. We are at Not A Foodie Show on Instagram and Twitter, and we are going to talk food, food news. We have the coolest guest ever this week. This is a good show. This is this is a this is a solid show. We have two really great guests, but the second part of our show, we we just talk pizza for like a half hour Wait. with with Scott Weiner from Scott's Pizza Tours, and he's a pizza historian. Oh my god, he knows more about pizza than anyone I've ever we, met. We just got back from Pauly G's with him. Yeah, and like he he is arguing with Pauly G about the history <laughs> of like a certain pizza place and the location. Was, yeah, yes. and he was right because he's a pizza historian. <laughs> But yeah, so we we talk pizza, which is something that we could talk for hours and hours and hours about. We also talk hot sauce. We've got um, we've got Steve Seabury on. Um, he's running the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, and he comes. On, he's going to be on a little bit later to talk about you know hot sauce and his company and Reaper peppers and scorpion peppers and flavor versus heat and all that stuff. And the they're having it at the Brooklyn Expo Center. Yeah, and that's across the street from Poly G Slice. It's shop. a very local Greenpoint <laughs> sort of uh, episode today. That doesn't mean that everybody should not be listening, though. No matter where you are, because everybody loves pizza and everybody loves hot sauce, and everyone loves New York pizza. No yeah. one's ever like come to New York on vacation like, oh, I hated their pizza. Only like um, Chicagoites. Is that what you call them? Chicagoans. Chica- Chicagoans. No, only, no, 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 no. Only Chicagoans that have to be like contrary. Like, only people that, you know, are seeking arguments will come to New York and be like, my pizza is better in my city. Like, it's pizza. Pizza is, and this is something that we talked about with <laughs> with Scott. I mean, pizza is pizza. Pizza is, you know, the pizza that you grew up with is your favorite. Like, that's it. Um, but I, I, like, I equate it to um, the NHL. When I talk to friends of mine about hockey, like, I'm an Islanders fan. I have lots of friends of mine who are Rangers fans, and we get into fights all the time. But... We're cooler than everybody else on the planet because we're NHL fans and not many people are NHL fans. So that's it. That's how I feel about hockey pizza. Hockey hipsters is a thing every uh, play. I only watch hockey during the playoffs. Oh, yeah? I Playoff hockey is a very special sport. It's absolutely 100% different than the regular season. Yeah. It's great. It's all I, out. I, I would it. watch hockey, but I don't have like... I'd work nights, so there's not like TVs for me to watch. But I like I try to follow it. And it see. doesn't matter. It's not on TV anyway because we don't live in Canada. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, let's talk food news. Yeah. I've got I got a pretty big story that is it hits me in the sort of the reminiscing uh, part of my brain. The nostalgia. Yes, um, Zagat has Zagat? been Zagat. <laughs> it's not Zagat. It's Zagat. Zagat um, was acquired by Google years ago, and then Google sold Zagat to um, the Infatuation, which is a restaurant review site. Can I just say that for me, that's Google thinking that they can get into restaurants and realizing how difficult <laughs> it is, and then Google deciding, oh no, like we, we're done. We're not doing this. But so the Infatuation, who I love the Infatuation, by the way. I mean, I'd love to have uh, those those folks on this show. I think that they're doing really some really great stuff around restaurant reviews and. Um, and I, I think they're, they're just a really good group of people. But they announced uh, this week that they are going to revive the Zagat Guide. And it's actually the New York version is going to be uh, in print. Like, it's not just going to be digital. So they're going to do, you know, for, for those of you who are too young to know what Zagat was, it was sort of like I don't think Yelp, any of our right? listeners are too young to know what Zagat is. Really? I yeah. I don't know. Do you know because you're in the industry? But like, no. Some... But they, you'd, you'd be in Barnes and Noble, and they would have the Zagat guides and everything. Okay. So I mean, it was it was the Bible of the restaurant scene. Like mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you went every year. You would buy 
your or you would be gifted a copy of the Zagat guide and you'd, you know, look up whatever restaurant you wanted to go to and you could see the read the ratings. And the ratings were all um, crowdsourced. So it was crowdsourcing before crowdsourcing was a thing. It was Yelp before Yelp was a thing. All, all the reviews put words that come up a lot in uh, quotation marks. Yeah. And it makes me read them all very sarcastically. <laughs> like, like this, this restaurant it's has really spacious. great ballet. <laughs> and their porterhouse <laughs> is a can't miss. <laughs> and like that's that's how I read every Zagat review. And it's very hard for me to take them seriously. I read something interesting um by I, I guess from by Pete Wells. Pete Wells was saying that um he found that the physical guide is just so much better than scrolling endlessly through your phone. Like he he picked up some old copies, I guess, of the of the old Zagat guide and like just thumbing through it. He found like he got more value out of it. So I think it's really, I think that they're absolutely 100%. That's Pete Wells publishing. just trying to sell New York Times subscriptions. <laughs> that, that to me, like, that's oh, it. print is so much better. No, but it, I subscribe <laughs> to it digitally. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that he's got a point. I think that like they're 100%, they're only publishing it for nostalgia reasons, I think. A, a physically, you know, a physical print copy. They're going to pu- republish that. Um, it's only going to be in New York. The New York version is going to oh, be, you know, print. Be. Yeah. Um, I mean, from what I understand, the new version of Zagat is going to be, you know, worldwide or at least, you know, nationwide. But um, the New York version is going to be, there is going to be a print version that you can buy. Um, but I I have, like, old copies of Zagat from, like, you know, 2002, 2003. And I, like, thumb through them all the time and look at, like, you know, crazy restaurants that the I used Cirque. to go to. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it was every restaurant. It was pretty much every restaurant in New York was listed in that guide. And it was really easy. This was before online reservations were a thing. So you just, you know, flip through the book. You find a phone number. You make a reservation. You look at the ratings and decide whether you're going to go there or not. But anyway, so I, I'm, I'm super excited. Um... They are, the Infatuation opened up a website. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you can look it up in Google where you can go and submit your ratings for l- restaurants. Um, I, I'm excited to see how this, how this all sort of plays out because I have strong feelings on user-submitted reviews for restaurants. I have stronger feelings. Yeah, I'm sure. As someone who works in hospitality, you've got it, right? Yeah, so, like, the the place I'm at now, Feroce, uh, which I can talk about now because it's open, and Mm -hmm. we've been open for a month. Does Um, that mean fierce? It does. Fierce or ferocious. Okay. Um, Our first one-star review on Yelp Uh was... Feroce is a proper Italian restaurant. It's not an Italian-American restaurant. Okay, and it's Roman, right? No, they're they are Roman. Okay, but they opened this as a all over the country uh, Italian restaurant, not just Roman focused. Gotcha. So we got a one star review, and it was like they wouldn't let us substitute our potatoes for pasta. <laughs> and um, one of our PR people called it the greatest one star review ever. Yeah, because in a true Italian restaurant, pasta is a course; it's not a side dish. Yeah. And people like that from like Roanoke, Virginia, or wherever this lady was from. Yeah, wait to, wait a. She yeah. wasn't from uh, Roanoke, okay. Virginia. There you go. I was going to say, wait um, to call out Roanoke, Virginia. But like from these nobody, <laughs> I go out all the time. Yeah, you go out in not real places. I go to Applebee's every week. Yeah. So yeah. when you give power like that, when you give uh, power to people like that, they they don't know what they're doing. There's there's literally like a level of din. There's like professional diners. Yeah. And most people aren't, and most people don't know what to do when they go out to restaurants. And that's like a whole thing in itself, and it's kind of snooty of me to say, because no. it, it's a socioeconomic thing, I mean, I, I, truth. I think of the same thing like when I look at recipes online, and, you know, I give this recipe one star. Oh, by the way, I substituted four quarts of blah, blah, blah for this instead of this, and like, so, like... Yeah, you, you're not reviewing what you're supposed to be reviewing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel with, with restaurants. When people give one star because they couldn't find valet parking or one star because they wouldn't substitute potatoes for pasta. I, you know, it's, it, you have, there has to, I'm really interested in this from a digital data standpoint to see how these reviews are curated. I also tweeted, I said, if you go to a restaurant and you think everything was, food was great, service was great, but you think it was too expensive and you give less than four stars, you're a terrible person. 
It, it, that, well, unless one of the categories is value, which is in Zagat. But, that, you know. but that's the, the dollar sign amount. Yeah. That's not the, the five out of five for the restaurant. For food. If you want to say I, it, everything was great, but it was a little too expensive, so I drop it down one star, fine. But if you're going to give it a three star and average rating just because it, you couldn't afford it, that's not the restaurant's fault. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I do think that value has some sort of place in the reviews, but it needs to be separate from, like, and it, from the food. And it shouldn't drop it. Forty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I what mean, I'm saying. What, what, well, what should, what is fair for it to drop stars? I think food coming out horribly, orders yeah. being messed up, or and bad service, and food that they won't like fix. Okay. Right? Like I, when I was managing Becco, we, and that's bad service. Yeah, we do the pasta, and sometimes the the tableside pasta, and at the end of the night, like it might be out for too long because it's a little slow. Mm-hmm. So I checked up on a table; they didn't like it. I said, "I'm so sorry. Let me get you new pasta." They made. We made fresh pasta, gave it to them. They loved it, and they thanked me. And I was like, no, like, thank you for letting me fix this because you totally could have just went online and, like, ripped us apart for this. Well, it's so easy. I I mean, people do it with everything, with politics, with arguing about sports, with whatever. You can go online anonymously and just trash something with no consequences. I mean, you know, if if you really want to have a good dining experience, you want to have that discourse where you could talk to somebody and say, Mm -hmm. look, this pasta was cold. I, you know, I, I would like it to be warmer. And I, I mean, and I haven't worked in hospitality, but from what I understand, that's you're hoping for that. You're hoping for mm-hmm. constructive feedback to make the restaurant a better place. Yeah. In the same vein, I had another table at that same restaurant. It wasn't the part where I was managing. It was someone else, but they came up to me afterwards and they were like, we hated the pasta. And I said, did a manager come up to you during your meal? And they're like, yeah, but we didn't want to make a scene. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. what are you ta- – so now you're just going to complain and go yelp about it? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's a that's an absurd thing. Well, and and not to, to trash all over Yelp, but Yelp is the most popular, and I feel like there's the most egregious cases of people mm-hmm. giving one-star reviews for no reason on Yelp. But I feel like Yelp, the problem with it is – uh, they they try to have like elite reviewers and people who, but I feel like those elite reviewers are always giving good reviews. There's no real curation algorithm that you know that works for me on Yelp. So I like Open Table mm-hmm. because Open Table diners are people that these are people that if you have Open Table on your phone and you're making reservations through it, you yeah. care a little bit more. I say people go on Open Table to eat and they go on Yelp to complain. Yeah. I, but because of that, um, how do you review a restaurant that's not on open table? If I want to go to like a corner bar or something like that, that, you know, could have elevated bar food, you know, I have sure. to go to Yelp. Yeah. Um, whereas I think not... that that's a, that's a place where Zagat can can really sort of fill in a space. And there. that's something the Infatuation does very well. It does. Uh, the Infatuation app is really great. You, it, geo, it geotags you and wherever you are, it shows you all the restaurants by you and all their reviews. Mm-hmm. And I don't always agree with them. I'm, I've been pretty vocal to you about it. Yeah. But, um, the, well, what it gives it, you a good base point. It gives you a good starting off yeah, point. Yeah. And what it does, just like I'm in this weird, or I'm my friend's hotel's in this weird part of town. What's around there? Bam. Found it. Figured out a place to go. Had a great lunch. Yeah. I mean, when I travel to most cities, mm-hmm. I, uh, Infatuation is the page, is the website that I have up. You know, most frequently to find the little hidden spots to go, you know, hipster spots or just, you know, good quality food, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm I'm really, really interested in this whole thing. When when Google bought Zagat, I was like, OK, it's just Google being Google. When Google sold to or when sold when they sold Zagat to the infatuation, you know, my eyebrow raised a little bit, and this was got to be what a year and a half ago or something. I think like a that? year, almost a year to the day. So now it's now that they're doing this, I'm, you know, I sort of see where they were going with it, and I'm really excited for it to come out. I mean, this was, I, I think I've mentioned this to you. This was like the Zagat guide in the late '90s, early 2000s. That was like every um, holiday gift, every corporate holiday gift was like you got a, you know, a nice um, personalized, you know. From XYZ Company, here's your Zagat Guide with the XYZ Company's logo on the front of it. And that was like every every Christmas I was looking forward to that. And then when you ran into your coworkers at restaurants, you're like, I wonder why. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but it was great and everybody had a copy of it. And when it went online, they didn't really, un- Zagat didn't really understand how they were going to deal with the digital world. I mean, it was... 
you know, the, it was an older company, and um, I think this is something that's been a long time coming, like them modernizing and becoming something that's more relevant in the dining scene. I read this book called Front of, yeah, Front of House by Jeff Benjamin, and he talked about Zagat when it was very prominent, and mm -hmm. when he'd have to tell people they couldn't get reservations. They'd be like, well, I'm a reviewer for Zagat. And he'd be like, so is everybody. So is everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, I mean, I'm, I, it, speaking of that, I mean, if, so if you go to, if you just do a Google search for like infatuation Zagat and, you know, how they're, um, how they're acquiring um, online votes for restaurants, uh, it's really just, you can go on there, you can rank your favorite restaurants. I think they're giving out awards or something like that. Um, but it's, I find it really interesting, and I'm looking forward to see what happens, you know, in this space. So Awesome. Cool. Anyway, we've got a really, really great show. Um, two interviews coming up. Two interviews. We've got Steve Seabury coming up next after the break. Um, but we want to hear from you. Don't forget to DM us at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at T-M-A-L-E, T-M-I-A-L-E. And at uh, Mike Moranti. And, uh, and that's if, it. If you yelp about your well done steak, you <laughs> should be taken out back. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not a Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not a Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. Hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little venture. It has full video capabilities, full audio capabilities. If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show, or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a session tell them that the not a foodie show sent you and i'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount bk media studio in the heart of greenpoint brooklyn right next to the g train brooklyn's most convenient studio and we are back with the not a foodie show from greenpoint brooklyn radio rampa mike we got a guest today but he's not in studio. He's not in studio. We got a phoner. <laughs> so on the phone, we've got Steve Seabury. Steve is uh, the owner of High River Sauces and the organizer of the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, which is taking place this weekend in Brooklyn, right, Steve? Yep, April 13th and 14th. Awesome. So, Steve, tell us a little bit, a little bit about how you got started in the hot sauce business. You know, I, I love uh, I love my music really loud and heavy, and I love my food spicy. You know, and uh, I don't know, man. I just I'm just ever since I was a little kid, I've always uh, dared to eat the, the craziest, hottest foods, and uh, and it's just evolved from then, man. I just love everything spicy, and uh, started dabbling, making my own hot sauce. And Did you have a like, culinary wow, background? Sorry. No, you know, I, my, uh, you know, my mom and dad were divorced and uh, I got five sisters and I'm the oldest one. And my mom's always like, you got to cook for the kids while I'm working. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I learned from the school of hard knocks. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so, so. so you've got, you've got a bunch of, how long have you been making sauces? You know, I've been making, you know, I've probably like, uh, dabbling in it, you know, when I was in college, but I guess quote unquote professionally, uh, you know, High River Sauces was born in 2011. Oh, great. And how many sauces do you have in your line? We, we currently have six in our line now, everything from the milds to the super hot. And then at the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, we're releasing our newest sauce called the Thunder Juice. Oh, I and love, love a, the name. Uh, <laughs> great name. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. It, and I always say drink your juice, kids, because it'll help you grow, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but this stuff is uh, it's pretty brutal, man. This is our hottest sauce in the line. Uh, what we did was, uh, you know, we infused uh, 
our, our peppers and uh, and tequila, and uh, it's got raspberries, blackberries, and peaches in it. It's, it's a beautiful oh, sauce, but man, it, it will it will knock you out. Oh, what kind of awesome. what kind of peppers are you are you allowed to say? Is it proprietary blend? No, no, that's fine. It, it, we got uh, the, the mildest is the habanero. So we got habanero, fatelli, scorpions, uh, so chocolate oh, ghost yeah. pepper, and a reaper pepper. Wow. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Each burn of the pepper hits you in a different area, so this sauce just makes your whole mouth just on fire. And then yeah, man. You get the sweetness from those bottom. habaneros, right? Like, the habaneros probably bring sweetness and mix well with the berries, and then you get your butt kicked by everything else. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, you know, the scorpion peppers, too, they got, like, a sweetness, too, So, but they're just much hotter. But, uh, yeah, you get the... You know, I love cooking with uh, habaneros and, and scorpions. They, they do complement the sweetness of the fruit very well. Tom <laughs> grows his own scotch bonnets if you're ever short on peppers and need to pick some up. <laughs> I, yeah. love, I love my scotchies, man. I think they're, they're, they're like my favorite. I think they've got the great sweetness and just a unique sort of fire. And they're not crazy like, you know, the Reapers and the Scorpions, but they've got, they've got right. a good heat to them. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, the scotch bonnets are my ultimate favorite uh pepper too and uh that's what we use in our chiba gold and people love it chiba gold that's a that's another awesome name what are some what are the other names of your uh your sauces that are out right now we got holacious tears of the sun the fufu mama chew uh the thunder juice <laughs> chiba gold <laughs> nice nice it sounds, it sounds like you could open up a dispensary that's what they all sound like yeah, exactly, <laughs> they all sound exactly. like <laughs> What's no, the wait, wait? What's the fufu mama chew? Is that what? What is that? That's what it sounded like. Yeah, what? yeah. It's a, it's our uh, what we did with that one. We we fire roasted some tomatoes and red bell peppers and threw in some reaper peppers. But uh, it, my my daughter and I were uh, uh, working on recipes together, and she's really into. At the time, she was really big into Disney, and uh, she wanted to name the sauce. And you know, and she, we were talking about the story about the dragons and stuff like that. So we put a dragon on the thing, but she's like, "Yeah, we should call it Bippity Boppity Boo." And I was like, "No, you got to create your own style, you yeah. know." And she goes, "How about Boo Boo Mama Chew?" And I was like, "Perfect." There you go. <laughs> Slap a label on it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Let's run it. Let's go." Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for like market researching a name. There you go. That's perfect, right there. Just do it. Yeah, ask any year old, and they got this. They got it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, what's what's going on at the New York City Hot Sauce Expo? This has been going on for a while. This is seven your seventh year. Seventh year, yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, you know, when we, when we got into the hot sauce uh, business uh, in 2011, I, I come uh, from a, a music, uh, you know, uh, history. I, I work for a record company. I put together so many tours and concerts and. When we started getting into the hot sauce, I went to a, a couple of festivals out 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 uh, New Mexico and out west, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is crazy," you know. But I always my my brain was spinning, and I was like, "Man, I could do this, but just take it to like put a cinder block on the gas pedal and crank up some Slayer and do it differently," you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, so that's what we did, man. I just uh, you know uh, just used my brain as a marketing and promoter kind of guy and. Uh, decided to do something in New York in our hometown and uh it's uh it's it's got it's gotten insane every year, you know, it's uh festivals in the country and um yeah, it's it's just awesome. We love it. We have uh fifty of the best hot sauce makers in the country come in. Wow. Um we have the Scream and Mimi Awards, we have the Guinness Book of World Record rebreeding contest. Oh. Uh we, we What yeah, what's we, the we, record? I mean, like two? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well you'd be surprised. We uh we we're out, out west doing our other expos uh, this guy from California, uh, uh, Greg Foster, uh, he ate 120 grams of reaper peppers. Oh, my and God. It was a total of, yeah, it was 22 peppers in one minute. He just, boom, 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 what? ate them like Tic Tacs. And he's, he's still with us? He's still alive? He, he's a beast, dude. He, he he literally was like, when he got done with it, he uh, he threw up, and then uh, <laughs> he was literally, you know, laughing about it. I'm like, dude, what is wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. with you? <laughs> I, that's it's such a crazy. There's I, I feel like there's such a crazy split in the hot sauce world. Like I'm I'm really into heat with unique flavor. Like I'm I go to a hot sauce. You know, like you you were talking about your blackberry and you know the the uh, the thunder juice. I mean that sounds right. delicious to me. It sounds unique and you know smoky and sweet and delicious. Then there are people that just go for the crazy heat. They and, just want to be oh, pain. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's it, no, it's, uh, it's amazing to it's me. It's funny doing these events because we get, you know, like I'm the same way as you guys, man. I, I like a flavorful. I want it hot, just enough where I'm sweating, but not going to put me in the hospital. But there's a there's a big group of people that like, I want the hottest. I want it now. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all right, try the thunder juice, you know. But uh, but no, people love uh, getting their heads ripped off. And then, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, doing these expos now. There's a lot of people that are just getting into spicy foods and started finding their ways around hot sauce. So I call them the gateway sauces, you know, and um, – <laughs> Those are your jalapeno kind of, you know, Louisiana-style hot sauce. People love that stuff. You know, it's a it's a great table sauce. And uh, But then as you start, you know, uh, it's like drinking, man. You know, oh, I got drunk, got six beers, and you're like, yeah, lightweight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're drinking cases, you know. That's how the hot sauce is, too. Once you build your tolerance, you just want to find something hotter and hotter, you know. Oh, it's great. I mean, I've been doing that with my kids for, since the day they were born. I started them off on, like, Cholula. Now, you know, now, nice. they're, now they're doing my homemade fermented sriracha, you know. You got to just coat their tongues a little at a time. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. (laughs) Well, so tell us about the the Hot Sauce Expo. How do people, where is it? How do people get there? What is the the hours, dates, everything like that? Well, it's uh, April 13th and 14th at the Brooklyn Expo Center. Um, the, the URL is nychotsauceexpo.com. Um, we have everything, you know, uh, advanced tickets are $10, uh, day of is $15. And then we also have a mid grade and a VIP ticket as well. But, uh, the mid grade and VIP are sold out for Saturday. We do have a little bit left for Sunday. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a great festival. Like I said, we, we even have spicy ice cream. We got, you know, you know, spicy pizza, tacos, barbecue. We we have a Texas pitmaster coming in. Oh man! Wow. It, it, yeah, dude. It's it's. If you love spicy food, you're, you're, this is heaven. This is literally heaven. Everyone comes in, they leave their problems at the door, and everyone has you know. There's six thousand people that really just want to talk and do hot sauce, and it's just a magical weekend. Wow! And you do you do this? You do this once a year here in New York, right? Yeah, we do it. Yep, every April, in New York. Great. Great. Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna have to stop by and get me some sauce. <laughs> Dude, you gotta you gotta get some that Reaper ice cream, some uh, spicy margaritas, and uh, you know we we crank some good music. You know, we always you know, <laughs> my wife's like, why do you always gotta play heavy metal? I'm like, because it's it's that's what we do. That's, you know, that's so the official music of hot peppers. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, man. You're gonna enjoy the soothing sounds of Pantera while you go watch the expo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, Steve, man, thanks, thanks so much for coming on the show and and talking about it. Um, I'm gonna hold you to the the promise that you made that you're gonna come on the podcast. We with gotta us get you in the studio for sure because this is uh, uh, I, I, way too. Way, this is way too short to talk about peppers. We need to we need to do a deep dive. <laughs> absolutely, my friends. I definitely agree. And after the expo, I'll have so much free time that uh, we'll I'll definitely come to the city and we'll we'll rock out the podcast. All right, man. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thank so again, everybody, so th- that's uh, that's this weekend in Brooklyn. If you're listening to this on the radio, it's uh, t- no, it's not. It's uh, next next Saturday. Oh, next Saturday. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Thirteenth. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, it's the thirteenth. All right, Steve. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll be Thank back in a minute guys, after man. this. Thank you, Steve. Hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little venture. It has full video capabilities, full audio capabilities. If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show, or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a session tell them that the not a foodie show sent you and i'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount bk media studio in the heart of greenpoint brooklyn right next to the g train brooklyn's most convenient studio are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff trade the experts at express and discard can help email today for a free consultation consult at expressdiscard.com everyone deserves an expert in their corner Hey everyone, it's Tom from The Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com.
And we're back. Thanks for tuning in to Radio Rampa, 6.20 a.m. It's the Not A Foodie Show. It's me, Mike Moranti, joined with Tom Miale. Hey. And a very special guest today. I met him on the street in East Harlem. <laughs> uh, he has the coolest job in the world, Scott. Scott. Uh, Scott Wiener. Scott Wiener of Scott's Pizza Tours. He's a pizza historian. Welcome to the show, Scott. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I love what I love when an intro, intro starts with I, I met him on the street. Usually that doesn't lead to <laughs> friendship and radio shows, but it, this time it did. Mike every every time Mike um finds someone on the, like he he books a guest, it's always like, "Oh, I I met her at Costco." Yeah. Or I like I walked into the, you know. <laughs> I talked to a lot of people. <laughs> we got each I, other's bags at the airport. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I I I was like, that's a guy doing a pizza tour and I used to live in uh, Kew Gardens, right across the street from Danny's House of Pizza, and there's a very prominent Scott's Food Tour, Scott's Pizza Tour sticker there that I would see five, six times a week, and I was like, "Oh, it's probably the guy." So then I just it was really funny. Shot. I got accosted on the street by this guy in like a disheveled <laughs> suit, and he's just like, "Hey, I do his podcast and a radio show, not a foodie." <laughs> You gotta be on it. I'll email you. Bye. And I was like, what just happened? All right. And and you're here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. And now, I'm not murdered yet. Now so. you're trapped in our underground radio studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It is a little scary in here. <laughs> I'm, we're 12 feet below the Earth's crust yeah, at least. You, well, and it's a soundproof room. No one will hear you scream. <laughs> so, Scott, tell us tell us about the pizza tour. Like, how, how did this get started? It got started just because I'm really into pizza. I mean, I, uh, what Where we do. Where are you from? I'm from Jersey. Okay, cool. So, and uh, I live in Brooklyn now, but uh, when I was living in Jersey, I started learning about all these old pizzerias and historic pizzerias, and then just started taking my friends to go visit them. And I figured, hey, if, if I bring a bunch of people, we'll split the gas. This will be cheaper, <laughs> and this will be fun to do. And I just, like, it snowballed. And for one year for my birthday, I decided to rent a bus, and, like, all my friends came on, and... We just like went to five or six pizzerias and at the end of it. And we went to Patsy's that day. But at the end of it, I remember my friends were like, when are you doing it again? What, what are the next five we're going to go to? Right. And I'm like, get out of here. I had to organize all this. This was like a nightmare. And then now it's what I do for a living. I have to say, I was I was at to dinner last night with some people and I was talking about um, who's coming on the show today. And they were like, that is the greatest idea ever. Like, we should just rent a bus and go. Like, we, we have to do this next time. We have friends in New York. We're calling Scott. And we're doing the pizza tour. So do you get, do you, what do you get? Do you get a lot of, like, tourists coming in? Or do you get a lot of New Yorkers? Or it's mostly it locals. It's the last time I did a count of it, it was 60% tri-state area. Mm-hmm. And then the, the remaining 40% was mostly domestic tourists. And then a little bit international. Okay. But it was, like, mostly people who were, like, this past weekend, it was probably 10 people who came in together from Jersey. And it was like, you know, all like the parents. That's, like, that's international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Jersey's international. Well, and it's funny because you can always tell like, oh, you're from around here. Oh, uh, <laughs> you guys are from around here. I get it. And then there's the one Australian, you know. There's and always then, an Australian. Australians travel. They, they travel love everywhere. It. They are the best travelers. Yes. Whenever I travel anywhere by myself, my plan is I'll just make some friends with Australians. Yes. <laughs> they are the best. They know what's up. They know the offbeat stuff. They travel for like 100 yes. months a year. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So do you, where most of the, most of the tours, are they in Manhattan? Are they Brooklyn? Are they all Q over Gardens. the place? Q Gardens. Yeah. All five boroughs. We touch all five boroughs, but each tour, depending on whether it's a bus tour, which is four stops, or mm-hmm. a walking tour, which is three stops, a walking tour is one neighborhood. So it's like, meet me at this spot in this neighborhood, and we're going to hit three in that neighborhood. The bus tour is, meet me at Lombardi's every Sunday at 11, and we go from there. I, we start at Lombardi's and then hit three others and then get dropped off back there. So it changes. We just did Staten Island this past week. The week before that was Queens and Brooklyn and Manhattan. And then, you know, next week might be the Bronx. Wow, that's great. And the, the places are really diverse styles of pizza, right? Like it's that's the plan. everything from slice joints to, you know, to like really nice coal oven, you know, sort of thing. The or... goal, yeah, the goal of the tour is to take the person who at the beginning of the tour says, all right, now tell me, who's got the best pizza in New York? <laughs> And have that at the end of the tour that they say, well, the answer is dependent on style and mood. Like, you know, I want to turn them not into a snob, not into a foodie, but I want them to start to understand what it is they like about something and to not reduce one huge genre food, pizza, into one dish. Yeah. Because pizza is not a single dish. It's dependent on, it it, it changes geographically. Yeah. And I feel like, so a couple things, like number one, I think that I will forever compare every slice of pizza that I eat 
to the pizza that I was accustomed to growing up. So, like, I grew up eating this one pizza from this one place, Carmela's in Franklin Square. Still there. It's one of my favorite pizza places. But it was known as the best pizza place around, in our family anyway. Like, that was my best pizza slice. So every slice joint I go to, I'm comparing to Carmela's. And there's the nostalgia. But if I go and I get, like, a really nice, you know, if I go to Pauly G's and get some crazy, like, Hellboy pizza that would never be served at Carmela's, like... I can't compare the two. They're completely different, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're both pizza. Yeah. But the one you grew up with. Yeah. yeah, they are, totally. But the one you grew up with has, like, a real important place in your history because it created your definition. Yes. So, Pauly G's Hellboy does not violate it, the definition, but it does change the definition. Absolutely. And by the way, this is amazing. Like, this thing you mentioned is... The pizza cognition theory, which was written about... <laughs> Wait, yeah, Is it yeah, a real thing? Yep, yep. Written about in depth by Sam Sifton for the book Pizza, A Slice of Heaven by Ed Levine. Oh, I know, the Ed, I know the Ed Levine book, yeah. Yeah, so that's, it's in the book, the pizza cognition theory, which is the pizza you grew up with creates wow. your definition. And like, yeah, I was in a conversation yesterday on, I think on Twitter about like, hey, aren't there fewer good places in New York now than there used to be? And the answer is like, well, you've changed what you're into and... You know, when you're a kid and you only go to two pizzerias, it's either that place or the place on the other side yeah. of the street. You form a bond with it the way that some people are Mets fans and some are Yankees fans. Like us. Yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> are you, what are you? I'm a Mets fan. The Yankees are tattooed on me. Oh, <laughs> wow. And you got orange headphones and white headphones. I know. <laughs> I know. That is by design. I, I walked in the room. I was like, I need the orange headphones. <laughs> I get it. But like, you know what I mean? Like your family is probably a Mets family. Yes. And then so that, and your family is a Carmela's family. Yep. And if you walk across the street to Frankie's or if you go to a Yankee <laughs> game, they'll know. Yeah. No, absolutely. Or they'll they'll question it. Like, well, why'd you do that? Yeah. Why, yeah. We, we share the Not A Foodie Instagram account. So on opening day, I went and I posted a picture of uh, sausage and peppers and I hashtag go Yankees and Tom's... My family just uh, were like, what? What are you doing? What do you mean you're at a Yankee game? <laughs> Have you been abducted? <laughs> yeah. Are you safe? Like, blink twice. Like twice if you're safe. <laughs> um, but the, the other thing and, and that you touched on is that pizza is so different. And I was having this conversation with actually an Australian friend of mine uh, who is also very into pizza about how, um, you know, pizza in New York, pizza in the United States is... In the grand scheme of things, not that much younger than pizza from Italy, but we really made it our own when it came over here. So you've got the different slices or different types of pizza. Obviously, there's the regionals, there's the Detroits and, and you know, things like that. And Chicago's, um, if you consider Chicago pizza or not. Pizza not casserole. I totally yes. consider it a pizza. But, um, but I feel like there's, there's just so much to it, even in New York, where you've got, you know, different neighborhoods with different types of slices. It's, it's completely different, you know, everywhere. I mean, Danny's. Danny's sweet sauce you can't compare to a regular slice yeah, anywhere else. I'm not a fan of, uh, like, I'm not a fan of Danny's regular pizza. I'm a fan. Their pesto pie is Great, I know. There's not a better thing in this world than a fresh pesto slice out of the oven straight from Danny's. From Danny's, yeah. And I'm not a big pesto slice fan from Danny's. I love the regular slice. Do you? Well done. I like them both a a lot, but the the pesto right out of the oven, I hate when people put red sauce on it because you can't (laughs) taste the pesto afterwards and they just think it's a cool thing to do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't think like food-wise there's a better food than Danny's pesto right out of the oven. Really? Yeah, I, All right, <laughs> I'll fight you on this. <laughs> it's like I'll fight you about the Mets versus the Yankees. Um, so, but so I, I have to That's I have to blow up your spot a little said. bit. I got to blow up your spot a little bit because you know Scott was late and he was, was and and you had the greatest excuse for being late. Your dough was fermenting or rising or something. You you had yeah, your hands my, were full of dough. my hands were literally in the dough when I was texting <laughs> to say, "Hey, I'm running ten to fifteen minutes late." So you you make dough as well as. You know, as take people on pizza tours, you make pizza yourself. My entire life is is pizza. Pizza. I mean, it's it's hard to fully explain it without just saying that. Like my whole life truly is pizza because I do these tours, mm-hmm. but then I write for a pizza trade magazine. I judge pizza competitions. I do like uh, you have a TV show. Yeah, yeah. There's the show. It's it's a uh, it's on first season is on Amazon, but both seasons there's two seasons out. Both are on YouTube. It's a Thrillist production, so it's wherever oh, they throw okay. it. Um, nice. I don't know where they're putting. Season three is going to start shooting next month. Is it? Is it a TV? It's a. It's. It's a series. It's a series called Really Doe. Okay. And in it, it's hosted by myself and Mark Iacono from Lucali. Mm-hmm. So the two of us debate whether something is a pizza or not. 
Oh. So well, I'll go to a place that makes a cheeseburger pizza. Right. And I'll say, oh, wow, I'll interview the guy who makes it and see what's up. And then I'll bring it to Mark and he'll pick it apart and say, well, that's not a pizza. And then I'll explain why it is and he'll try to convince me why it isn't. And at the end, he proclaims whether it is whether or it's not a, pizza a pizza or not. Yeah. Wow. It's a really fun, That's interesting. Show. I've never seen it. I'm going to have to watch it. I'm all in on that. It's really, really fun. And did I read that you're also, there's a documentary coming yeah, out? Yeah, there's a full length documentary came out a couple out. years ago. It's on Hulu. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on a, a bunch of streaming things. No, it's not on Netflix. Netflix is the only one I have. So I've, <laughs> wait, I don't wait, actually have, do you the, have Spotify? the thing. I do have Spotify. If you have Spotify now, you have Hulu for free. For reals? For reals, If you pay for Spotify. If you, if I you do. Like, yeah, if yes. you subscribe to Spotify. Yeah, you can get Hulu You have now. Hulu for free. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now I gotta you can go. watch it. Now, and so can all my listeners, all of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yes. Thanks the to the Not A Foodie Show. Yeah. Yes. What, what's the name of the, the doc? The documentary is called Scott's Pizza Tours. Oh, awesome. And nice. it's these Easy two guys. Remember. Yeah, two, two Brooklyn-based filmmakers just asked me to follow me for a couple months, and that turned into eight months. They came with me to the pizza convention in Las Vegas. We went to Italy together on a, they followed me on a trip to where I was working for a flower manufacturer. It just was like a crazy eight months. Wow. So, what year was that? I want to say 2014 or 15. Cool. Okay. I don't, I honestly don't. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm yeah. gonna it. I mean, I'm going to watch it today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, it's fun. And I, I, whatever, I haven't seen it since probably about two months after it came out. I've seen it twice. And what I remember from the last time I saw it was I have at least four different types of facial hair throughout the thing. <laughs> so keep that in mind. It's continuity, the same guy. It's the same guy. <laughs> well, I didn't know that they'd be following me for yeah, so long. Yeah, for eight, for eight months. Yeah, like they would call me and be like, hey, we heard you're going to Italy next week with all of your favorite pizza makers. Can we come with you? And I'm like, uh, all right. Yeah, right? I mean, as long as you pay your own way, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't paying for any of it. Like, they just asked me if they could follow me. That, that was it. I, I didn't produce it. I didn't pay for it. I don't have any ownership over your it. Your talent. Your talent. Yeah, I'm just there. Just, just like there. Mike on this podcast. He's talent. Just the pretty face. You know it's radio, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, well, let's get back to the, so you were making dough, dough at home. Why are yeah. you making dough at home? Well, I always want to, when I talk about pizza on the tour, I want to be able to explain to people with as much accuracy and direct information as possible. So this is not the kind of tour where it's just, I'm telling you what a pizzeria is doing. I'm trying to explain concepts so that you know why somebody's doing something. And if I don't do it myself, I can't possibly explain it right. well. So, you know, I, it was really important to me when I was talking to people about buffalo mozzarella, I wanted to go to Italy to meet the water buffalo and smell them and taste the direct cheese. Like, and that's what I, I did. I so There's everything nothing, we talk about is like Buffalo that. mozzarella is incredible if you've never had it. It's the yeah. creamiest thing you'll ever eat. It, it's delicious. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, honestly... Uh, that's how the Not A Foodie blog got started was I was working in PR and I w had to create a product that I would go out to bloggers and we would pitch them, you know, just different things from brands. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to go out and pitch bloggers if I don't know what they're going through on a day to day basis. So I started the Not A Foodie blog and that outlasted my career in PR and marketing. <laughs> and now it's a show and everything like that. But no. So that's I yeah, appreciate making that. pizza. You gotta, like, important. get in there. Yeah. Well, in this way, somebody at home, I, I, I can say directly, well, oh, this is why that's happening when you're making pizza at home. If they say, oh, well, I tried to do that at home and I can't stretch it the way that guy did behind the counter and I can explain it because I do it myself. And right. as I was explaining to you before, we give out a pizza dough recipe because I want to encourage people to get involved. And so I'm tweaking the recipe that I've been using for a few years just to like make it a little bit easier for people to deal with. In a home oven where you yeah. don't have a crazy, you know, thousand degree. Yeah. Oven. And the problem is that to heat up your home oven properly takes about an hour. Yeah. So it's not like something you casually fire up the oven to make a pie. And I have a tabletop oven that takes 20 minutes and it gets to 750 Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So I've been using that to test this. So I know I can get a great pie, but the next step will be to test it in the room. Yeah, to pour it over. I mean, yeah, well, and I, I, I use my grill for, I use a, I've got uh, a, like a Komodo grill that I use for, yeah, I to get the pizza space. going. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a definitely a project, but it's awesome. I've got two kids, so like, but there's nothing better than like ki for kids than making pizza. They Ugh, always want to make pizza, and the they come up with crazy toppings, everything like that. But yeah, it ha I mean, I've always found that it's got to be like really, really hot. And if I try to do it in my oven, I just get horrible, horrible results <laughs> compared to doing something on the grill. So I just want to talk when we were talking about um, how pizza is so different, so but so close. It's crazy for me personally because I'm. I grew. I lived across the street from Danny's House of Pizza that we just talked about. My girlfriend lives in the vicinity of Patsy's, 
And right now we're stones throw from Pauly G, both of Pauly G's spots, which we talked yeah, about. Yeah, which are too. all very notable pizza places. Yeah. And so you have these three, and you just by circumstance, you're just there. And I feel like that's a really good way to think of New York City pizza. There's always something really great in the stones throw. You in, in most neighborhoods, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you think? I, I think there are a lot of neighborhoods that don't have that. And I've just when hearing you say this makes me feel so bad for those people. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there are parts of the Upper West and Upper East Sides that really are deserts. Well, really? Up, upper East Side, I'd say, has nothing to offer. Really? Period. There's no pizza Ga- places? Gas- I, gastronomically. I mean, no, 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 no. I, there are, but but they're not like San Mateo on 92nd and 2nd is really, really great. And then uh, PQR on 83rd or 85th, wherever it is, on 3rd Ave, that's pretty good. Or, uh, that's like Roman style. And then there's Royal, which is like a regular slice shop, which is totally doable. You know, there, there is pizza, but it's not like the classics like you're talking about. It's yeah. That's really downtown. And then East Harlem Patsy's is it. Yeah. yeah. Nothing else over there. And then... Like, by, by me and it. proper Harlem, there's Harlem Pizza Co. Yeah, oh, do, that is good. So they do Roman style, like, Pies, mm-hmm. Neapolitan style pies, and then they have Harlem Slice Shop, which I haven't been to yet, but it's supposed to be very good. Or maybe it's Harlem Slice, not Harlem yeah. Slice Shop, but well, there and I feel like there is um, the good thing about New York is that you can even a bad slice of pizza is better than most pizza you're going to get anywhere else in the country. So you know, relatively, we've got really good pizza here. Yeah, um, well, it's but more I, but part I of our lifestyle. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's an on the go food. It's mostly fresh. Even the dollar stuff is, you know, we can be snobs about it and talk about it. It's garbage, which it kind of is. But yeah. like, it's it, that's still better than what a lot of places have. In in the way that you know, I I was in a grocery store the other day. I walked past the the frozen or the pre made the bagels, like the lenders and all. Oh yeah. And I just reached out to feel it, and I just gave it a little <laughs> squish, and I was immediately like so thankful that there are good fresh bagels. that you can get a bagel. Yeah, yeah that I don't need to do this. <laughs> I think bagels are probably. The closest to pizza when it comes to people arguing about what what's the best and what they've grown up with. Because in my neighborhood, growing up, I had you know I would go to A and S Bagels, and again to this day, I try to find bagel places in my neighborhood now yeah. um, that just equate to that to A and S Bagels. Yeah, uh, very very much New York, very much Italians and Jews coming over at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and co- coming to Ellis Island, moving to the outer boroughs, and doing what they knew how to do. And when you leave New York, it's um, bagels and pizza. That's what you miss. Yeah. yeah, I went I went to college in Michigan, and in Michigan, what they do is they order Jets Pizza, which is like like Domino's or what? You okay, know, it's like a pizza chain. And then they coming to New York City. Oh God, and then they what just is it? Dren- Jets, Jets Jets Pizza? Yeah, yep. it's coming to New York. Yep. And then they just drench drench it in. Ranch, and that's pizza. Well, I think I've told I've said this before on the show that um, I went to school in Buffalo, New York, and I everyone was dipping their pizza in blue cheese, and I was just horrified. I was appalled. I was like, I can't live in this area where they're doing this. And then I tasted the pizza without blue cheese, and I was like, Now you, you know, realize why? Yeah, that they dip it in. That's sometimes why they dip it in blue makeup works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you have to not think of it as pizza. You have to think of it as something else. Food. Yeah, it's food that you dip in blue cheese. Yeah, their definition is different. Pizza cognition theory works for them. Yes, the same it does no, for exactly. And they exactly. love it. They, Buffalonians love their pizza. Yeah. And they love uh, the big, like, mushy or the big sort of fluffy dough pizza that they dip in blue cheese is, like, it's a staple up there. And I, I, it was just something that I didn't grow up with. I was grossed out by, but now I think it's awesome. Which, and that's kind of why I love pizza, because it, you have to respect that, that people love what they grew up with. And then we'll fight to the death about it. And at the end of the day, your debate with them is really just a debate about personal likes and dislikes. Yeah. At the like, nobody's not friends after that. Right. You're, <laughs> you're, you're not like, I can't believe you don't like that type of pepperoni. I'm never talking to you again. No, it's like you respect that person for having this. Like, I remember forming an opinion about pizza before I had an opinion about anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, what do you yeah, like better, wow. summer or winter? I don't know. They're both kind of pepperoni. Which Which of these seven pizzerias? Well, I will not go to Calabria because they oversauced the. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I had that when I was seven. No, absolutely, absolutely, and I think part of it was my parents beating into me that we only go to this pizza place and this is the best. And when someone else came along on the playground and was like, "Oh, we're you know, will you come to my birthday party? We're getting pizza from so and so." I'm like. Uh-huh. Really? You're getting pizza? I'm, you I know. just rewatched that episode of The Office where Michael Scott's like, and I, I ordered pizza. And then they're like, is it pizza by Alfredo or pizza Alfredo's Pizza Cafe? <laughs> and they're all like, they all are a united front about like, which one is it? 
and they end up ordering from the other one because he ordered from the bad one. Like they doubled it. <laughs> yeah. Because they care that much. That's pizza. And that's so beautiful. Yeah. I have to ask this question because I know that you've probably been asked this question a million times, but like how much pizza do you eat like on a weekly basis? So I cap myself at 15 slices per week. Okay. And if I go over that by one slice, I subtract two from the next week. So there's a penalty yeah, system. You have to, yeah, you got to do it. But gotta last week, up. I stopped keeping track around Thursday. <laughs> so I don't know what I had last week. So I'm going to say I probably am even right now. Okay. So it, it, so if you stop keeping track, I mean, how often do you stop keeping track? Because then the system just falls apart. I am not great at keeping track. <laughs> but I do have like a little spreadsheet on my phone that I keep track. Yeah. And so are, Scott ate 30, 30 slices every, last week. Are you eating tours every day? Almost every day. As a company, we have tours every day but Tuesday. But me personally, I lead probably about 40% of them. So I have a tour tomorrow night, and I have a tour Saturday, and a tour two tours Sunday. So when oh, I went, tomorrow, tomorrow I have two, actually. When I went up to approach you, there was a 60% chance it wasn't you. No. That was a Sunday bus tour. I do 100% of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there the one go. tour on my that I offer as a public tour that I always, always do is the Sunday bus tour. Every other tour, it's, you never know. Why the Sunday bus tour? That's the one that I, it's how I started it. Okay. That's like really close to my heart. I love going to four different places. I love winging it. I love like 32 people managing 32 different people over four and a half hours, making sure they all have a great time. And that it's like more than just, it's not an educational tour just by itself. Right. It's fun. It's like, hopefully you'll have fun and don't realize that you're learning deep physics, <laughs> but you are. Yeah. No, like, it's, it sounds, just, I mean, it sounds awesome. And it sounds like pizza is something that's so approachable that everybody, everybody knows and nobody really knows what goes into it. Like there's, there's so many different types of pizza. There's so many different types of slice joint types of pizza and things like that. And I think that, um, I think that you're doing amazing work educating people in something where they think that they know already. Well, that's you know? part of the uh, that's part of why pizza works so well with this cuz the to get into it is so easy. Everybody can, yeah, I'd love to do a pizza tour. And then you don't realize you're learning so much yeah. about the detail and right when I walked in and I said, "Oh, I had my throw my dough in the fridge." And you said, "Well, it's not going to slow down fermentation because you're from a food background." Right. Most people are just like, "Oh, you make the dough a day in advance, so you just like leave it out." What and I, it gives me an opportunity to teach them that time and temperature are what is responsible for flavor in pizza. Right. With so the, yeah, and fluffiness and and they don't yeah, and it's that okay stuff. that they didn't know that. Yeah. There's no reason they needed to know that, but that's why the one place is better than the other place. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we, we unfortunately we're running out of time here. Yeah. Um So Scott, why don't why don't you uh, plug the pizza tours? Where how do people get in touch with you? It's really easy. It's just scottspizzatours.com is the website, and uh, easiest way to follow me around is on Instagram at scottspizzatours. Awesome. We, I get we and have the, to the documentary you know on do? Netflix. Scott's Pizza yeah, Tours. Yes, documentary, yeah, yeah. On, on Hulu, Hulu not Hulu. on Netflix. Hulu, not Netflix. And <laughs> then the show to... Really Dough. Watch. Check out Really Dough. It's really. Funny. I think that we need to do a not a foodie um, pizza tour with. Scott, oh, like we'll no. get we'll we get our sh- listeners together, and we'll we'll book a bus and we'll do. A oh, pizza we'll tour. totally do it. It'll We've got to do it. We should also go to Pauly G's like now. <laughs> oh, a slice shop. Yeah, well, yeah. while we're here. <laughs> well, here. I mean, I went right past it and slowed down a little bit. Like, yeah, near. is it open? It's open. Yeah, it open. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, oh, open. yeah it's open. All right, cool. Well, all right. Well, we're we're gonna be back in a little bit after we eat some pizza. So, <laughs> this is the Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, six twenty a.m. at Not a Foodie Show on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from the Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking to advertise to a food and restaurant-loving audience? The Not A Foodie Radio Show has advertising opportunities available that fit a range of budgets. For a free consultation or for more information, email info at notafoodie.com. That's info at notafoodie.com. Thank you. 
Hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little venture. It has full video capabilities, full audio capabilities. If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show, or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a session, tell them that the Not A Foodie Show sent you, and I'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount. BK Media Studio in the heart of Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Right next to the G train. Brooklyn's most convenient studio. And we are back with the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter and Instagram and all of the other social things. Um, Mike, it's that time of day. Yeah, and we got Scott to stick around. Of course. Scott, Scott Wiener from Scott's Pizza Tours stayed with us for our favorite segment of the show. Mike, what are you drinking tonight? I'm going to do um, a cucumber gin fizz. Why? A cucumber ginger gin fizz. I'm sorry. Okay. Ooh. Because it's spring and I want to feel springy. Okay. So I'm going to make a cucumber ginger syrup, mm-hmm. muddle some cucumbers, ounce of the cucumber ginger syrup, two ounces of gin, shaken up, uh, poured and strained, bellissimo. Nice. Mm-hmm. Super refreshing. I, I, I think that that's and a top, summertime top drink for soda. me. Yeah, that's a summertime mm-hmm. drink for me. I think I'm not quite there yet. After Memorial Day, when I start wearing my white, my all white linen suits, I um, that's when I'm gonna I try to do yeah. these spring things to like bring spring, to bring spring yeah. on. Like I'm, I might make a pasta primavera. As I well. legitimately <laughs> wore like a windbreaker the other day when it was 30 degrees out because I was gonna will spring <laughs> into coming. Doesn't I had work. To do it. It just it did not work. <laughs> Scott, what are, you, what are you drinking? So last night I had all my tour guides get together and we did a uh, wine tasting lesson, wine pairing lesson with a wine expert. And it got me really into pairing this uh, a meatball pizza with lambrusco. Oh, okay. That it rocked me. I, I you it know, so lambrusco. Me. I people hate on lambrusco. Mike hates on lambrusco. No, no, do you hate on lambrusco. No, but there's a white like reunite lambrusco is like awful. But there's like actually good lambrusco. There's a huge yeah. range of. Yeah, and it's and not there's not also rosé lambrusco and white lambrusco. And I think that I think that that is sounds great because lambrusco absolutely has its place. And that. I, I it's would also have never like, thought of it. That's it's like great. it's still cold out, so like a heavier big red, but sparkly and chilled, ready for the spring. Wow, I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, I'm having a. I'm gonna have uh, Mike. What 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 is the drink that's banned? Gin. Four logos. No, Negroni. No, oh, Negroni. Yeah, Negroni's no. banned. Why? Here, because, because every everybody week says, says the, I'm gonna have I'm a gonna have a Negroni. Oh, so or, or they're like, oh, Boulevardier. No, it's a, <laughs> what it's is a Boulevardier? It's a whiskey Negroni. It's a yeah, it's a Negroni that has bourbon or rye. All right. <laughs> Instead, I like gin. Negronis, but I, I do too. I'm not well, having one tonight. <laughs> I'm having a Negroni tonight. <laughs> He's, Mike's giving me the death stare. <laughs> I'm having a Negroni tonight because it's a if a it's a riff on a Negroni. I don't even know if you can call it a Negroni. I'm replacing the Campari with this great new Amaro that I found called, um, it's made in Brooklyn, it's called St. Agrestus. Is that the one with the really cool bottle? Yeah, it's a really, really cool bottle, like a big, you know, like cylinder, sort of <laughs> short fat bottle. And it's got, um, so it, you know, it, just like every other sort of Amaro, it's like this crazy secret mixture of herbs and spices and, you know, and they distill it and roots and, you know, it cures all that Ill, ails you. But um, they, one of the flavors that comes out sort of on the back end, they add like um, sarsaparilla to it. Ooh. And so it's got this really weird like. So you're having a root beer Amaro. Root beery sort uh, of root like. Beer Negroni. N- Negroni, yeah. So it's a little bit sweeter, um, but it also like, it has this bite. So oh. I don't even know if you can call it a Negroni. It's a Negroni. It's, it's one it? part gin, one part vermouth, and one part Amaro. Yes, that's a Negroni. But I mean, it, I don't know. No, yeah, all right. You broke the rule. You, I did not break the rule. <laughs> all right, well, then I'm going to have a shot of Jack Daniels then instead. <laughs> that works. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for the Not A Foodie Show. Scott, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for awesome. having me. We got to we gotta get you back and we'll do like a real like big long pizza podcast where we can just go off the rails and oh, geek man. out about dough. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Mike, we'll see you next week. Yeah, catch me at Polly G's. Yes. Oh, constantly. <laughs> at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter. At Not A Foodie Show on Instagram. Radio Rampa 620 AM. DM us your favorite pizza place in the city.
Yes, we want to know. We want to know. People like this is this is how wars get started. We want to hear. Wait, can you make a rule? Yeah. Sure. You can't be within six blocks of where you live. Wow, that's a good one. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, we're running out of outro music. Bye. So, bye. <laughs> hey, Mike, where are we? We're in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn at the BK Media Studio. The BK Media Studio is the home of the Not A Foodie podcast. It's so much better than my dining room table where we started this little adventure. It has full video capabilities, full audio capabilities. If you're looking for a studio to record a podcast, to do an interview, to record a YouTube show, or anything, think of the BK Media Studio. The number is 917-300-9123. You can come in, take a tour, book a session, tell them that the Not A Foodie Show sent you, and I'm sure we'll work out some sort of a discount. BK Media Studio in the heart of Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Right next to the G-Train. Brooklyn's most convenient studio. 